0: welcome to that being said so podcast i'm taylor and i'm Asia. let's get into today's episode All right. So welcome
1: back to a new episode of That Being Said. Uh, We're very excited this week because we have a special guest. um, And this special guest you guys may know um, very well. So we have Lexi uh, Rubinsky. How do you say your last name, Lexi? Oh, excellent. Look at me go. Wow. Well, Alexandra, but we call her Lexi, Flexi-Lexi, if you will. <laughs> um, so we're really excited to have Lexi on because she's sort of going to tell us a bit about herself, um, her career, and all of that stuff that's happened in the past couple of years, <laughs> i.e. pandemic. Um, so I guess we'll throw it away. So welcome, Lexi. And guys. Hi, everyone who's
2: listening. I'm, I'm a bit of a loyal listener myself, so it's quite the trip to... Um, to be on here. Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we'll
1: start out um, with you just telling us a bit about yourself and just you as a whole, I okay. guess. Um,
2: so my name is Lexi. Um, I uh, People obviously tend to know me by Lexi when it comes to poll, but um, mm-hmm. my name is Alexandra and um, I'm actually a nurse as well. Uh, and yeah, I've kind of had to balance that the passion of the two of the two sides uh, so specifically I work in emergency or ED um, and I have for almost four years now um, wow. yeah I always knew I wanted to go sort of into like that fast-paced sort of nursing um, style um, I've always just I pretty much always wanted to be a nurse and I sort of like had my ums and ifs and buts about it all through High school and college and um, eventually started at uni doing something completely different and then realised, no, this is, no, nah, you have to go and do it. Just do it. Yeah. Um, I think that it sort of, most people that end up in nursing go, well, there's really nothing else for me to be doing. Um, even though we all complain about it, we bitch and moan constantly about how much <laughs> we hate it, um, especially <laughs> lately. <laughs> um, yeah. But really... I feel like if you end up in nursing, there's there's a reason for it. It's, people say it's a calling, not a job. And some days it doesn't feel like that. But other days it's like, yeah, I can't really imagine doing anything else. So, yes. <laughs> um, yes. What else about me? Um, I obviously do poll. Um, have polled for about eight years now. Um, and that was really a big part. And I'm not sure we'll get into that later. That was a really big part of um, nursing yeah. during the pandemic. Um, but yeah, I, what else do I? What else is about me? Um, <laughs> something really random is I love really old things like knitting. I've like become knitting. obsessed with knitting because <laughs> why not? I mean, what else is there to do at this right? it stage in our like, lives? I'm, apparently, I'm 80 years old, so my my dream night is like sitting at home on the couch knitting so you know
1: why not
2: (laughs) I Um, love that
1: all right well that's that's a good brief overview of of you as a whole I mean like we've gotten to know you know like what drove you for your career uh you as a person so I guess we might jump into i guess it's sort of hitting nail on the head um but what has it been like for you being a fr- so i guess jumping into the pandemic we'll start there so i mean the pandemic has been intense obviously for everyone but more so you know for like you just said that you work in the ed like that is insane i guess let's start there what tell us a bit what it's like working in ed like i guess no day is sort of the same, is it? I feel like... No, definitely not. Well, it not. could be, but, like, so many different people coming in. It's the in. same So what's different. that been yeah. like for you? It's the same but
2: different. Um, I think, like, a lot of things, like, working in ED, people always see it as being, like, the pinnacle. And it's like, oh, my God, that's the ultimate job. Like, that's where all the action is. Yeah. And it's really not. Like, it is, but it isn't. Um, yeah. There's sort of, I guess, this misconception that, like, you know everyone that comes in is dying or everyone that comes in is some dramatic story like Grey's Anatomy and it's really not um yes. a lot of it is paperwork <laughs> to be honest I Feel like I spend most of my time at a computer filling out paperwork or like virtual paperwork yeah, wow. um but I think one of the really big things that um sort of came out from COVID was just how dangerous things can be um
0: yeah, like, wow. we just,
2: we had no idea what this thing was. And I remember when it first started, I was just, people were so mixed about it. People being like, oh, it's just like having a cold. It's just like the flu. It's nothing else. Like, blah, 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 blah. And there's just, like, the perspective just sort of changed as soon. as things sort of got a bit more hectic and people were like, oh, crap. Like, no, people are actually going to die. Um Yeah. And people just sort of all of a sudden did this 180, like, wow, we need to... um we need to be really careful. So I think everyone kind of realized just how scary work could be. Um, yeah. And I
1: guess as well, like, sort of leading, do you remember exactly like what you were doing when you first heard about COVID or like, like were you at work or like, I actually, do you remember your first yeah, thought? I remember
2: hearing about it in like, um, like just in passing. And I was like, Oh, like, cause at the time, like for anyone who's not in the su- Southeast part of Australia, um, we had the bushfires obviously happening around the same time. Yes. So we were dealing with these fires and people coming in with all these like asthma complaints, people who were having trouble breathing because the smoke in camera was just horrendous. Like it was just so bad. And we were just like, crap, like this is horrible. And then this thing cut rocks around where it's like, Oh, we need to be mindful of people traveling from overseas, you know, of COVID. And I was like, what? I was like, Okay, weren't we just dealing with bushfires? What, what's this COVID thing? And then all of a sudden right. it just kind of blew up to be this thing that was like, oh, okay, there's people getting off international flights that are being, like, rushed to hospital because you might have COVID. Like, things that were just completely ridiculous. Well, they seem ridiculous now because we're just so much more aware of it. But, like, everyone yeah. getting off a flight was just like, oh, you're in that city? You better go to quarantine. And it was just like, okay. Oh,
1: yeah. So much misinformation, I guess, at the start, because obviously no one knew what the hell it actually did. Or, you know, I guess the government and uh, everyone was just scared. They're like, okay, well, we'll just lock everything down. Let's Uh, just stop. Yeah. Um, And I guess as well, it sort of leads in what, like, for you, I guess, being a frontline worker, um, sort of finding what the pandemic, like, sort of how, how you dealt with it. Because in Canberra, at least, the first lockdown. It didn't last for very long, and we didn't actually get that many cases. No, so um, so I guess comparing – yeah, I know, for a solid year. Um, so I guess comparing the two, I guess, how was it for you as a frontline worker, you know, from the first lockdown or surge, I guess, to then all, almost a year to the day soon, I guess, in August when we're full-blown lockdown thousands of cases Mm -hmm. or getting to thousands um sort of how how did you deal with that as a frontline worker
2: i think that and i actually remember saying this to like so for those of you who you know might want a little bit of context here so i have um always had mental health issues and i've seen a psychologist since i was 15 and i've got this really good relationship Mm -hmm. with my psychologist and i remember when i first went into ed seeing the things that i saw because like Taylor, Mm -hmm. you'd know, like, emergency departments are generally where people go when they're having, like, mental health crisis as well, and it can be so overwhelming because when you see people in mental health crisis, they just blow up, and it just can be so confronting. So I remember seeing my psychologist and being like, how do you deal with this stuff on the daily, Like, like, all these mental health cases, he's like, oh, no, 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 we have very different jobs, you and I. You see people in crisis. And I see people who are chronic and well managed. He's like, don't don't try and think that you're not managing what you're managing. So, like, and I think that 100%. kind of advice always has stuck with me. That like, when you're in the ED and you're managing these things, you're managing a crisis and you're managing people at their worst, and it can be really exhausting. And I remember saying to him when uh, when all of this was happening, I think you know the. Like Sydney obviously had its issues, but Melbourne was obviously where everyone just kept getting locked down, locked down, locked down. And I remember saying to him, I feel like a fraud. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, all these people are like sending us gifts and like sending us food to ED and there's all this like talk being like, thank you frontline workers, thank you so much nurses and doctors, you know, we appreciate all your hard work. And I actually remember being at work one day and thinking, I feel like such a fraud right now, like massive imposter syndrome Mm. because I was like, it's not even that bad here. Like I felt so guilty for accepting like praise from other people and from – people being like sending pizzas and we got like grease monkeys sent to the hospital and stuff like that like thanks guys really wow, appreciate yeah. it but, at
1: time, but yeah i, I guess as well guilty. like you said yeah. like
2: i was like we're not doing it that tough like camera was getting like 50 cases and it was just like oh my god so many um yeah and then, <laughs> and then like meanwhile melbourne yeah, you know it's like 40 i don't even know how yeah, many <laughs> and i had friends working down there and i was just like i feel so bad Like you guys have got it so much worse and here I am like getting all this stuff. And it was really hard. Like it was a really weird feeling to sort of realize, no, this is still going to be hard work because it was the constant stress of coming to work and being like, Mm. is today the day that it blows up? Is today the day that we get COVID? Like I remember when one came in one of the first cases and they'd been on Ruby Princess and they came oh, wow. through the hospital because they'd come back to Canberra and they were positive for COVID. And I was like, oh, my God, there's one in the ED. Like, you know, <laughs> like I was just so like, oh, my God, this is this is happening. And it was just that constant fear of being like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Is today going to be the day that I get COVID and bring it home? Like, is this well, going to yeah, contaminate right. my whole family? Like, what's what's going to happen? It was really overwhelming. And I think as well,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, at the start, because there wasn't many cases. Like, I think us in Canberra, like, I guess we can all agree, we got it pretty lucky. Like, we were in lockdown for a few weeks, and then, you know, we sort of had restrictions, and that, you know, there was obviously the stages of letting people out and doing more things. Well, for context,
0: like the second explosion was because nightclubs were open. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, yeah, it's just crazy. Like at at the start, we were so obviously for good reason, unsure, scared of it. And, I mean, like, being, I don't know, in the ED and around essentially strangers, you don't know, you know, they they could not know that they have it, like, and then, you know, they've come through and they've infected, like, you know, there's, I guess, I don't know, in Canberra in particular if there was outbreaks within the hospital. There was a few. I
2: don't know about since I've left. Like, I know that up here we've been having, so, again, if you don't know... I now live in Brisbane um, and I work at one of the major Brisbane hospitals and I know that up here we've had outbreaks and because they brought, they, um, like we all wear masks at work, but in low risk environments, they pulled back to just like a standard surgical mask, so the blue masks, as opposed to like the fully like face sealed masks that we often wear. Um, Yeah, wow. And they had some outbreaks And then they had like entire wards shut down because they had no staff, because they were all infected and they were all close contacts. And so, yeah, like everyone like got infected up here. And I know they had a couple of outbreaks down in Canberra in the hospital. And it was just, it was just so stressful because then it was like, well, great. There's a ward now that people can't go to. That means there are less beds, which means there are more people sitting in ED for longer, which is got massive, like, research associations with poor outcomes long-term. The longer you spend in ED, the worse your outcomes are going to be, basically. So I know with all of that kind of stuff going round and round and round, everyone's just stress got higher and higher, and everyone's just feeling the pressure, like, great, well, we're here to help people, and it just feels like we're pushing, we're an ant pushing a boulder up a hill. It was really exhausting. Yeah. So
0: you touched briefly just before on like uh, I guess long term management of your mental health, but I guess we wanted to ask you like how have you been able to manage that during the pandemic while still having being able to like maintain a work life balance, especially being an essential worker and obviously the like schedule nature of what is uh, being this? An what Indian. is this
2: work life balance you speak of? I I don't know what that <laughs> is. Can you explain what? <laughs> um, we don't know data, either. Right? Um. It was, it was probably one of the hardest things and I remember I spoke to someone else who was also not a nurse but working in the hospital during the pandemic and her and I both said, oh, my God, how did we have energy for anything else except work? Mm-hmm. So when lockdown happened, obviously it was straight away, we lost everything. And so pole for me has always been a massive, massive like outlet Uh even though it was obviously I was teaching, so it was still work. It was just this mm. this thing that I knew that I went and did and it kind of got me to relax, got me to change my frame of mind, to be like, okay, well, you're done with, mm. like, Nurse Alex. It's time to be, you know, Lexi the pole dancer and, you know, have some fun, relax, um, achieve some yeah. goals that I wanted to achieve. And then all of a sudden, like, overnight, that was all gone. And I was like, yeah. okay, oh, well, maybe I'll go to the gym. Oh, wait no, I won't. You won't go to the gym because there's none of that either. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, all my coping mechanisms are gone. Like I go to the gym or I go to pole to like get my stress out to, you know, really feel the effects of my day and go, right, okay, the day's done now. Let's work it out, feel good and then move on. And then all of a sudden I couldn't. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to get up, go to work, deal with the stress, come home, go to bed, get up go back to work and it was just like okay well this is just crap this is exhausting and I yeah. have nothing to do that's going to like interrupt my routine of work home work home work home so there there was like no work-life balance <laughs> during the pandemic
1: oh yeah I mean yeah you can't do anything I guess as well like you when lockdown hit right I know in particular Jake like he's an electrician and he was like oh sweet don't have to work for a few months and like like obviously like he was out he he lost his job in the end of it and then had to get a new job but still i guess the purpose of it like you didn't get that no. you didn't get months off you would have loved you, to you work had to from then home. work hard
2: but <laughs>
1: well i'm i know right like it's not an option so like i feel like even that enough is a well as well sorry is to sort of be mentally draining because i mean i understand like working from home it does have its perks because you're at home you can have that work life balance you log on a bit later you can cook dinner or you can you know what I mean so i guess as well with you having to deal with you know that didn't stop for you you had to go into the into work every single day um that, like it just would have been really really hard to sort of deal with you know your mental health as well yeah. and
2: and i think a lot of people who sort of like I mean, we're a twenty-four hour service, really, and that's great because you know things happen at all hours of the day. Um, mm. But you know, like three hundred and sixty-five days a year, twenty-four-seven, we're there, we're open. We always joke about like, okay, we're full now, turn off the lights. Maybe they'll think no one's home. Like, you no, know, <laughs> close the doors, turn the lights off. It's fine. No one, no one else is coming. Um, <laughs> but that's not that's not the case. Like, people get Christmas locked, uh, Christmas shut down periods. We don't get that. You know, yeah, you don't. Think, <laughs> there is no Christmas shutdown. Like, people sort of – and I know there's other jobs that obviously continue all through the year, and by no means have we got got it the hardest. But it's still no, one of those yeah. things that you're like, well, lockdown happened, and, like, you know, for a while there on the first lockdown, it was great. It was beautiful. There was no patience in the ED. We had. I remember there was one well, yeah, night exactly. we played cricket inside. Like, we were bowling a ball <laughs> down the corridor because there was no one around. There was just – There was no one going outside, so no one was getting sick. People were wearing masks. They were too scared to go around people that they didn't know. So no one really got Uh sick. The people that were sick were the people that were already sick. Like, you know, say you've got cancer. You're coming in because, you know, cancer. yeah, Or you've got Yeah, exactly. Or you, you have, like, done something where you've, like, fallen down your stairs and broken your arm. But, like, on majority, like, we had no kids coming in who were really sick, which we get every year. You get your respiratory viruses for the kids we had no kids jumping mm. off play equipments because schools were all closed <laughs> so that was great um <laughs> less driving accidents less drinking like bad accidents from yeah, drinking because wow. clubs were all closed like there was just it was so different so for a while there we were like oh this is great but then at the same time this is fabulous like oh yeah. cool we'll all just chill out and like hang out and then like someone would come in with respiratory symptoms and everyone would just suddenly be on high alert and you're like, oh God. So then it's like that constant yo yoing was really took its toll. Oh I could imagine just like oh like I'm never really I'm never really at rest.
1: Well I mean and that's it, right? Like I like with, you know, Christmas periods as you were saying before, like Sure, people get that shutdown period. And like you said, like, you know, not every job does, but it's still like you, I guess you never get to really switch off mm. because, you know, if someone calls in sick, they're going to, they're not going to go, I don't know, I really know how it works, but I don't think they're going to go a day without contracting a nurse that's off and being like, hey, can you come oh in? God, like, I, I guess you I never really get to switch off.
2: What I get every single day. Like, you, like, people, when I tell them what we get, they're just like, are you kidding? I'm like, no, like daily, at least once a day there'll be a message going out sometimes two or three a day being like, okay, we're getting desperate now, guys. Like, please, is anyone available? Please help. Like, and like the other day I got one from my current hospital just being like, oh, we only need like nine staff and then the night will run. And you're like, nine? You need nine <laughs> staff? Are you kidding me? Jesus. Like, there's probably about like maybe 20 staff on overnight. Like maybe a little bit more, like odds and ends, but about twenty to twenty-five staff. So you need nine. You need almost half your half your staff. Jesus, and I'm like, That's Yeah. Terrifying. Like Well, yeah. Like think of the workers that are
1: already there. Like they're gonna be overloaded, run down, like yeah. it's just insane. Yeah. I guess as well, leading into like, do you think that your attitude like to your career and industry has changed like since I guess the pandemic? Because I mean, you know, when you're in school and you're you know, dreaming of, you know, being a nurse. Like I know for like in particular Irene as well, she'd probably be this, like in a similar circumstance. Like you guys didn't sign up for yeah. this. Like, I guess like obviously it was so, it's so new. And obviously, you know, we've never lived through something like this. So do you think that's really warped or changed
0: your percepti- uh, perception Sorry, on your career? And even not just like your internal perception, I guess the pandemic's also shown a lot of, I guess, cracks where we're talking about funding, Mm. staffing, that sort of thing. Oh,
2: absolutely. And I think it's sort of like I I go between two sort of phases where it's like it's really nice that people are talking about us and, you know, that there's so much more awareness of what we do have to go through, our conditions and things. But then I feel like, on the other hand, something else comes along and everyone just forgets. Like Mm. even even like just like I said before, the firefighters that we're having to fight all through – Right before this pandemic hit, and they were being really, you know, like really praised. They were like getting so much talk about. And then it's like,
1: okay, next one day, yeah, yeah, forgotten. And it's like,
2: you know, some people do, some people don't. Like, I feel like, particularly in politics, they tend to forget what's not at Mm. the forefront of the media. So, you know, when a new wave comes up, then all of a sudden it's talking about you know conditions and work life and everything for for frontline workers yeah. but as soon as everything sort of settles people just kind of forget which can be really disheartening i think because it's like remember we're still here guys like you guys might have gone back yeah, to, you, haven't yeah had a break. <laughs> you guys might have gone back to life as usual and everything's normal for you but it's still the same here um, so i think that yes to, like the short question the short answer to the question is yes my attitude has definitely changed um I went into nursing being like, I'm going to be able to help people. I'm going to be able to, you know, make a difference, change lives. And then I think on the daily, I just kind of go, I'm not doing anything helpful. And I don't know if that's like my mm. own, again, insecurities and my own doubts for myself that maybe I'm not having as big an impact as I envisioned.
1: Um well, I guess it's hard, right, if, like, you, you know, sometimes there's that praise and then it goes away. It's like, well, like, what am I even doing? Yeah. Like, I know in particular, like, Jake and I had recently had a conversation of um, him sort of saying, like, I didn't understand, like, you know, why they locked us all down, like, it seems sort of pointless now because there's so many cases. And I was like, yeah, but you got to think, like, I understand from the perspective of not wanting to overwhelm, you know, the, the essential services mm. and the health health people yeah, like health care all and stuff about because flattening
2: the curve if you remember back to the start of the pandemic well that yeah things, <laughs> that curve. curve is long and gone yeah. like it's just it was just about making it not as big a deal so if everyone had had if everyone that was getting sick wasn't vaccinated like I've seen the unvaccinated um I hadn't seen it in Canberra but being up here where it's mm. you know things are a little bit slower to take off um Canberra very law-abiding um <laughs> But another, yes, we are, so aren't we, we? They say get vaccinated. Yeah, everyone absolutely. Does. Everyone's like, right, okay, let's go, let's do it. Um, it's a bit slower <laughs> up here. Um, so I have seen some unvaccinated people come through with COVID, and they do definitely look more sick. Um, so mm. I think that, yeah, like if if everyone that had been had had COVID, had not been vaccinated, the numbers would have been massive. Ugh. Like already, I've been, I still follow like the Canberra updates for Canberra Hospital and everything and, you know, seeing how many people are in hospital and how many people are in ICU, you know, if the amount of people that are in a hospital weren't vaccinated, like, I guarantee the system would just be crumbling. So it's like that did its job and now we're kind of relying mm. on the fact that, oh, well, everyone's vaccinated, it'll be less impact on the system. But, I mean, the system's still struggling and it's still having a rough time. Well, yeah, and
1: and I mean, it is probably, like, a controversial Topic with you know vaccines and stuff like I mean everyone has their opinion. However, like it's you know eventually these vaccines like you need the boosters mm. or you need like do you know what I mean? Like it's the same with the flu shot, right? Like when you get a flu shot, there's a new strain. So I mean yeah. like very controversial, but like I guess for you being a frontline, you see it all. Yeah. So you sort of you understand
2: and you see what's coming in and out. Yeah. You know. So I think like I'm
0: pumped for boost four.
2: <laughs> So I think <laughs> that, <laughs> that the um. <laughs> I think my perception and stuff back on, back to that, that was our question. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go on <laughs> tangents if I don't keep following my list. Oh, I know. Um, <laughs> I think that I feel a lot more, I guess, and this is the really hard thing because, like, to be honest, probably more resentful towards the general public, just that they're not, mm. and, it, and, you know, it's, In a non-biased way, like, how could anyone be expected to know? But, like, the things that people come in for, like, people just want reassurance. They just want to know, like, oh, am I going to be okay? Like, whether it's COVID-related or not, they're like, am I going to be okay? And from, like, a balanced, like, calm side of things, I can go, yeah, okay, I understand you just need that reassurance that you're going to be okay. And people come to ED thinking, Mm. well, that's going to be where I get that. That's going to be where I find out everything's all right. I'm not going to die. All my answers will be given here. Whereas that's not really what yeah. we do. Our ans- like What we need, like what ED is for is, are you dying? If you're dying, we will help. If you're not dying, mm. okay, you can wait. And I think people forget that Like we know that and we can take an educated guess and say, you're probably well, exactly. not going to die, so you can wait. But then people get really upset, like, well, why am I waiting? Or they come in with really stupid 100%. things, and you're like, why didn't you go to your GP? And, like, from yeah. the educated side of things, from my perspective, it's like, oh my God, why are you here? I don't have time to deal with you. Well, but yeah. From my right. perspective, it's like, it feels like, oh my God, but I could be dying.
1: And they don't know. Well, and <laughs> like, I think that's a very good point. Like, especially with ED, I know for myself, I've only ever been to the ED once, and it was recent. It's probably a year ago, and probably in August. Um, and it was because, like, I was having a panic attack, but I didn't know I yeah. was having a panic attack. So I got, obviously, Jake to drive me. It was in Queanbya and the ED there. Mm. Um, and, obviously, the lady at the desk, she asks for your symptoms – or, like, you know, what you're feeling, whatever. And, that, like, you know, I again, I'm still the person that needs reassurance, yeah. I guess. But she made, you know, that base decision on, okay, well, this is what you're experiencing. And in my head, like, it, like I was getting tightness in my arm, all this mm. stuff. So – And then like I think I got sort of seen maybe like before quite a few people that were sitting in there and you could tell they had the shits. But it's so true I guess as, you know, public people that are going in there, they just want that reassurance. But for you, you can make that formal decision to be like, well, it's probably, you know, not too serious so we can hold this person back and, you know, see the person that's, you know, more severe. so
2: I think that like all of that is particularly with like the under underlying stress and the underlying anxiety that the pandemic has caused just from, like, you know, all the, all the things you hear about all the time, like the lack of staff, the spreading of disease, all of that mm. kind of stuff, I think that piled on together with the, like, the baseline of, hey, I'm coming to ED because I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, you get a lot of people who come in because they're like, oh, well, I didn't want to go to my GP because I didn't want to pay. I didn't want to wait. And I'm like, so you come to an ED because mm. you don't want to wait? Like, you realise that that's what you want to do, then, right? Mate, no. <laughs> like, but they're like... <laughs> pay the $80 and see yeah. a GP. <laughs> a lot of people are like, well, I didn't want to pay for everything, so I'm coming to ED. And, like, because you're already so stressed and you're already so, like, you're short-staffed, you're run down, you know, you've got people inside that, you know, you can't see from the waiting room, like, what's happening behind the doors. Like, you got people in there who could be dying, right. like, it's really hard to stay, I guess, empathetic towards the people that are coming in where you're like, well, I know there's nothing wrong with you. And I'm like, and and you're here and you're, I guess, kind of as horrible as it sounds, you're wasting my time because I know. Yeah. I was about to say, it's almost taking up a resource. Yeah. Yeah. People don't know that. Like, and, and it's just, because you're so stressed, it's hard to keep like that in the back of your mind. Well, yeah, your
1: body's in fight or flight. Like it's just, and I guess as well in the pandemic, like, um, that's sort of, our body isn't used to being in this state for so yeah. long. So I feel like any little thing, people like, oh my God, this is like, I, I might be dying or, you know, there's this that's happening. Like I need to go to the hospital. Yeah. Like I know that there's definitely, again, dodging on when I did have a very severe panic attack where we called the ambulance cause I thought it was a heart attack. Your body, you sort of switch off, your mind switch off straight away. you're like, no, like, I, like we need to, this needs to happen right yeah. now. But I didn't really think of, you know, the, I was almost embarrassed after the fact because an ambulance had drove, driven out to my house and I was essentially I was fine. Yeah. Like I just had had a very severe panic attack. But at the time I was like, nope, I don't care. Like I need yeah. them here. But When, you're, but when it's, you're
2: unwell, like all logic goes out the window. Well, right. You're like, <laughs> totally nope, I need everything here, yeah. thanks. And then straight after I was just like, oh, and that's I it. really like, hope I they find, don't have the lights on. I find myself having to sort of check myself a lot being like, okay, well – If it was my family member, what would I do? Like, what would I think? Like, if it was my friend, what would I think? Like, and at the end of the day, like, while I'm at work, I have all the resources available to me where I can go to a doctor and be like, hey, I'm worried about this patient. Tell me what to do. Or I need a test run. Can you please order me this test so I can get this run for this patient? And, you know, I have all that available to me. So then when I can see someone come in and I'm like, oh, there's not going to be anything wrong with them. But I'm going to run all those tests anyway because we have to. So then I'm like, yeah, cool, there's nothing wrong with them. But if it was my family member and I was at home, I'd be like, well, I want those tests run because I want to be 100% sure. I want to be absolutely sure Mm. there is nothing wrong with them. So sometimes at work I find myself when I'm losing my empathy because I'm so exhausted from everything, I just have to check myself and remind myself, yeah, but if this was mum or dad or this is your brother or your sister, Mm. you'd want to know. So, just do it. Like, just, you know, remind. I find that that's like something that I've really had to work on is like reminding myself people just want, people just want that reassurance. People just want to know. And people aren't, you know, they're not as lucky to have the knowledge that I have. So, just, you know, just do it. Just humor them. So. Yeah, I hope, that, yeah. I hope that, that kind of answered your question as to my attitude. Uh, <laughs> no, it definitely I, did.
1: I mean, like, this, I I feel like as well, like being a nurse, you, there's so much to sort of say and all that. I guess to Aisha and I being, you know, not in the field, it makes sense to ask. Cause...
0: I, yeah, like, I I guess from someone who's like seen it, not like seen it. So for context, there when I was like. Um... 10 ish. My brother got uh, diagnosed with MS and he spent like three, four months in ICU. Mm-hmm. And my father's a doctor. Um, so we kind of like, I guess, keep an eye on funding. Yeah. Wait times. Um, what's kind of happening in the industry. I guess you, you hear it through the grapevine. Yeah. Thing.
2: Yeah. It's really, um, yeah. It's so eye opening when you have a family member go through that. Cause then you're like, Oh, I understand. I can see so much more now.
0: Well, yeah, but I guess from that experience and I used to joke with my brother that he always like had relapses on like Friday nights. When, and so there was times where I had to like sit in an emergency room waiting with him for like eight hours on like a Friday. It was awful. But like, I guess it kind of brings you, I don't know where I'm going. So that just, I guess well, it, like, that kind of brings you back down to earth yeah, I mean, because the there's been so many realized, times where I've like had a, sorry. Sorry, I cut you off. Yeah. That just like, reminded me no, There's been like, me times that... where someone's been like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you go, Lex.
2: <laughs> Sorry. You can cut that out. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> that just reminded me that, like, things like that, like, they may not be life-threatening, but they're still, like, something that you need care for because it is. It's a relapse. Yeah. It's, like, a condition that's going to continue to do that. And it's like, okay, well yeah. – we need to, we need something right now. And, uh, you know, whatever time at night on a Friday night, you're not going to get that out in the community. So you have to come to ED. There really is no other choice. Yeah. Like, but like, you're not, you're not about to drop dead, but there is, you know, there is yeah. a medical need for you to be there. But then like other people will look at you and be like, well, you look fine. Like why, why are you going in first? And it's like, well, you don't know. You don't know what's happening to this person. Yeah. You don't know their history you know, there's no other support. It's the same with, we have people with dialysis that come in and people like, well, they don't look sick. And you're Mm. like, yeah, but you know, they don't look sick right now, but give them 30 minutes. Like they could be really sick. Like there's all those things that people just don't realize. Like sometimes you have to come to ED for those things and it's, it can be so, so exhausting for the person having to come in.
0: Then on like the flip side of that, I, I got COVID recently and my GP called me and like check in on me and <laughs> sorry, they were like asking about the respiratory conditions and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, this is what I'm experiencing. Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, I think you should go to emergency. And I was like, I am not <laughs> taking <laughs> up a bed right now. Like that's yeah. not happening. You're an idiot. But to be like, honest, that happens a lot. Don't, don't
2: worry. Um, GPs yeah. are like, people come in. They're like, well, my GP sent me in cause I have COVID. And I'm like, cool. And... Yeah, I mean, like it's not
1: to discredit gps no. but like you know what I, I remember quite quite specifically when covid first hit i went to the doctor four times in one week because i was just so anxious about it and i thought i had it every two seconds and he was literally like it's just like the flu and that was yeah. when it just first yeah. hit because they were so uninformed so like it sounds bad but like i'm not saying that they're not experiences experience sorry gps yeah. know what they're doing in some sort of sense of what their field is. But I think, like Aisha said, Aisha's was enough to be like, I'm not going to hospital. I don't know. I got some
0: GPs and I'm just like, you should probably, <laughs> back I don't to know, maybe, re- maybe yeah. retire. Well, I don't know. You're
1: so, you're so like right. Like people years. come in all
2: the time with like, oh, my GP sent me in for this. And you're like, why? <laughs> why? why um, and like, it happens, like, <laughs> happens regularly. Like we have a COVID area and like, Every day without fail, I'll get one that's, like, referred by GP for shortness of breath in context of COVID. And you're like, okay, cool. Can the patient breathe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just they get tired walking upstairs. Okay. Um, <laughs> but we know where they have COVID, right? Yeah, 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 they have COVID. Okay. Well, that's what COVID kind of does. Um, you get tired well, yeah, right? walking upstairs. Like... Okay, it's a respiratory virus. But people just want to be sure. Again, it comes back to that when you're sure uh, like yeah, People feel yeah. like when, when they go to ED, they're just going to get all these answers. They're like, ED will tell me everything. And it's like, we well, are the all-knowing yeah. overseer, ad- apparently.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I will admit. like
0: Too much house. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> house. <laughs> well, I will admit when the ambulance had come to my house, I in my head, right, I read too much into things and I knew I wanted them to do a scan of my heart. Like, I just needed them to tell me that my heart was fine, you know, it wasn't a heart attack. And so, I don't know what they, you'd know, Lex, where they stick all those things on you. Yes, that's what I wanted because I need to make sure, and again, this is me with my overthinking status of, um, because I had just, I was about to get my second dose of the vaccine Um, so I was I was very anxious about just because of the media and all so I just started stressing and then I think that's what induced the panic attack and the high blood pressure and all that. But then after they had said to me, Yep, you're perfectly healthy, there's nothing wrong, I was fine. Like it took me a bit to come out of the panic attack, but I was fine. So like it is. I always need that reassurance, but again, it's like (laughs) not everyone I guess knows that or, you know, they just sort of need it. But again, I guess can be quick to judge in my sense of things as well
2: like yeah like you said you just need the reassurance we we went to a medical degree you know like we've either they're either doctors and have done medicine Mm. school or you're paramedic and you've done paramedicine. you're a nurse and you've done nursing i've personally done my postgrad in ed so i've got like and a lot of people have so you've got like even extra training for specific emergency things and you know you just want someone who knows better To tell you yes that's right it's like anything like you know if I was making a cake and I'm like get like you know a pastry chef or someone to taste it but like tell me if this is right it's not that I think like you know like maybe I think it's rubbish but maybe you've got a better opinion your opinion holds more weight it's the same thing like people Mm. who are educated about it people who know stuff they're just going to give you that reassurance that like yep that's good you're fine it's all good keep going and you just Mm. need that people are human we just need that yeah.
0: So I guess moving forward, um, we know that you moved into state during the pandemic. How was that for you to make that shift both uh physically and
2: mentally? It was hard. <laughs> um yeah. so when we we crossed the border in January and that was while the border like sort of like the border was up, I guess you call it. Um Like you had to get a pass to cross over and I was like super paranoid about that. I was like, oh my God, like what if we get COVID like the day that we have to leave? It's all right. Got it later. It was fine. Crossed the border all was well. Um, But um, it was like, it was very annoying trying to set up my house. I can tell you that. Like, because I moved with nothing. Like my partner and I moved up here. We had nothing. We had a blow up bed. That was what we had. And we slept on for like six weeks while we waited for (laughs) our mattress to come because courtesy of COVID, it was on a ship somewhere out in the ocean waiting to come into port. Um, so that part was definitely fun. Um, all the logistics of moving was exhausting. Um, but in terms of work, it was, it was really quite interesting to sort of see how, like, you know, not just a different hospital, but a different state entirely was handling the pandemic, Mm -hmm. um, so when I moved to this hospital, they, um sounds really weird, but they have a tent out the front um, and it's this tent that they have built like a proper marquee with flooring, heating, um, and they set it up to sort of be like a, they call it disaster, which is where we were like cohorting like the well COVID patients. So like say you had COVID, but you also, you know, had a broken leg. Like, you're not here because of COVID, mm. but you you still need to come mm. to hospital. Like, you know, those little mm. things that are just coincidental that you've got COVID. Or, like, you have COVID, but you're at home making dinner and you cut your finger. You're like, well, I still need to come to ED because I need stitches. Yeah. But I have COVID, so I'm going to keep them all together. So that was really different. Um, And seeing how they'd responded to COVID was really cool. Um, They were really late to bring in like face shields and masks, whereas Canberra brought them in ages yeah. ago. Um, so they'd only just brought them in when I got here. Um, and then yeah. they were also rat testing everybody. So if you presented for ED, even if you had no symptoms, you got a rat test, um, which we found quite a few cases, like asymptomatic cases through that. Um, people yeah. who were like, no, I don't have COVID. They're like, oh, the rat test says you do. Um, sorry yeah. to tell you, and they're like, "Crap, no. straight to yeah, the COVID like, no, I'm not prepared for this, and you're like, "Yeah, I know, sorry, Bye, bad. <laughs> um, So that was really cool. It kind of helped to take away some of the pressure, I guess, in other parts of ED where you were like, "Oh, cool, we know that there's unlikely to be COVID in this area." Like you kind of mm. kind of took away some of the stress of like, "Oh my God, have they got COVID? Have they got COVID?" Have they got COVID? Like they could still have it and just not be detected on the RAT, but you know it was less likely. Well, yeah. Um. So that was kind of good, I guess. Um. It was it was good in some ways, but then when you were allocated to the COVID area, you're like, great, I'm working with COVID all day. It's like this is awesome. Yeah, you're like, fuck my life. You're like, I really don't want to just be in COVID. And then after I had COVID, um, because I got it at orientation for the hospital, I was like, oh, great. Love um, that comes oh <laughs> to a new hospital gets COVID. Um, <laughs> this is our welcome. Yeah, exactly. Get. It's like welcome to Queensland. Have some COVID. Um, <laughs> so, this I don't even know if this is still the rule, but um, initially it was like so you had to take your seven days off, and then for the second week of like the fourteen day period, you ha- you were only allowed to work in the COVID area because if you were like, oh. even though I was like completely symptom free for five days because I. Got symptoms, was negative, continued with my life, then got worse symptoms and tested again and was positive. I was like, okay, cool. And then within a few days I was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I'm fine now. Can I go back to work? No, you have to wait your seven days. And then by the, for the next week you were only allowed to work with the COVID people just in case you were still, like, potentially mm-hmm. a carrier Infectious, yeah. yeah. And then at that point, it was like a really, like, it was the end of the COVID wave for Queensland for the, I think we were on the first, like, the Delta Omicron sort of crossover period. Mm. So that was the first, like, the lull before Omicron took off again. And it was yeah. just like, I had, like, I had days where I had no patients and I was just sitting in there, like, twiddling my thumbs. And they were like, but you can't leave this area because you, could still be carrying COVID, and i'm like great <laughs> this is great like all right i'll see <laughs> yeah, you doing nothing here <laughs> being a wasted resource that's fine um so again like different just a completely different way of managing it and i was like oh that's crazy um what else i think that like i think it it really killed as i've heard it's really killed the social life of the hospital um Mm-hmm. So EDs are really obviously very stressful places in case you haven't noticed. Um,
1: yeah, I've seen scrubs a few yeah, times. So I Yeah, imagine. <laughs> yeah just,
2: the, just the tiniest bit stressful. Um, and there's a real, like, collegial sort of feeling that goes with that. Like, there's always this running joke that, like, you know, you've always got, like, your work friends and stuff, but, like, literally these work friends have seen you at your worst. Like, you've been through shit together. Like, literally, like potentially wading through arms of it. Like, you never know. Um, days can be quite hectic. Um, you know, you've literally been covered in bodily fluids with each other. You're like, yep, cool, this is uh, this is our life. Um, so there's this real, like, sort of collegial feeling, I guess, within the nursing industry. I have to say I didn't really feel very well supported in that regard back in Canberra. Um, but at this hospital they're really like really collegial and apparently they used to do lots of things together. Like they used to go out together. They used to like have like drink sessions or like club groups and things like that. And ever since COVID that's just kind of died off. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that is kind of really disappointing that there's not really that co-mingling happening as much because people are still really scared. And now we're currently in yeah. another wave up here with, hitting I don't even know how many I don't even want to know how many um, how many cases a day that we're getting but I think that that's really kind of killed the vibe I guess of the hospital which is yeah sad because you kind of really need that that support from your colleagues yeah right yeah it's like oh you understand what it's like because you deal with it every day too so
1: Right. I feel like sometimes when you do, like, those work things, you're like, hey, no talking about work, and then oh, yeah. <laughs> that's all you yeah, talk. I feel I feel like instructor parties are a good one as well, for example.
2: You're like, oh, no, pole talk, yeah. and then that's all that's spoken yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, I'm lucky but, yeah. that my partner is also medical. Like, he's not a nurse, but he works at the hospital uh, as good. well. Um, And he's mm. also medical. So when we talk, we kind of debrief about things that we can both kind of understand. And I guess
1: that's kind of nice because you can – like, there's a relation there and an understanding. Yeah. Like, I mean, for Jake, if he was to listen to me complain about public service, he doesn't really understand. He just nods his head and he's like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> or, you know, Paul, same yeah. thing. He just does not get yeah. it. But he pretends to. But I guess it's sort of nice to have someone that's sort of familiar and is like, oh, yeah, I understand.
0: It's like, um, it's awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, general. Aisha
1: would also know because, you
0: know, both being mm-hmm. mechanics, like it just yeah, exact same can't way, relate, exactly obviously, straight.
1: guys. But,
0: um, yeah, the drive home debrief is, like, sacred.
1: <laughs> I guess as well, moving on, I guess, what have the highs and lows been for you in your career? And have you sort of found your own personal development, um, like how your own personal development has been since you started within your career?
2: Oh, highs and lows. God, there's definitely been some lows. I can I – mean, yeah. The, the pandemic has really sort of skewed it that, like, it feels like one long, endless day of COVID. Um, yeah. There's definitely been some highs. Like, I'll start with the good things. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was um, not so much here yet because I've only recently come up here. Um, but I was working – started working with, like, some really complex patients – back in Canberra, um, like some trauma patients. And they, even though like that's obviously really traumatic and that can be really overwhelming, it's also really good because that's where I was like, wow, this is what I want to do. This is, you know, these people are really in life or death situations and I'm here to help and I'm, you know, part of a team. Like it's no, it's not a one-man show. It's definitely like a team situation. But it was just so rewarding, I guess, knowing that I'm here I'm trying to help this person and they may or, they may survive because of, you know, something I did, which is just like a really, really good feeling, I guess. So that's probably one of yeah. the highs. Um, I have made some great friends along the way. Um, like, although I didn't make heaps of friends, I did have a couple of friends back in Canberra through nursing that really just made going to work every day so much more rewarding and so much more tolerable um so they were definitely highs um I feel like there's just like a lot of little moments along the way like sometimes you get patients that just kind of hit you with the realism all of a sudden and you're just like wow thank you like I I really needed to hear that today like sometimes you just get the off comment from someone who's just like I really appreciate that you're looking after my mum like that I really appreciate that mm. you made that cup of tea for me. Like, thank you so much. Like, and when they're just genuinely grateful that you took the time out of your day to do something for them, those are like the yeah. highlight reel. Those are like your moments where you're like, okay, I've done, I've done something good today. Today, I've done my good deed. You know, karma, karma's in my favor today. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then obviously you've got the low side, which you know people always seem to remember the bad. More than they remember the good. Um, the stress is probably one of the bad things. Like people mm. say, "Oh, well, you can't take your work home with you." Like that's so good. Like you can't work from home, and I'm like, yeah. mm, but you feel like you definitely do. I feel like you definitely <laughs> like do. it's some mental things, right? Yeah, you take a lot of the mental stuff home, and it's really hard. Like sometimes I'll drive home, and I'm normally like a loud music person. Like I love my music loud. I love to sing and dance and everything like that. Mm. And then again you know i'd go i'd go to the studio after work and i'd put music on really loud and i'd just dance it out and be like yeah this here's my feels out but then other times i'd drive yeah. home in complete silence cuz i'm like this day is so overwhelming if i have to listen to one more sad thing or one more uh, like yeah. <laughs> emotional thing i might fall into pieces um yeah so i think that that's been like those kinds of feelings have definitely had an impact um and it just, I've just noticed, I guess, how that's changed my life. Um, mm. I guess, um, I mean, I don't know if we uh, you might've mentioned it previously, like, you know, we, get, we used to get together as instructors, like, and do instructor getaways and mm. stuff like that. And, you know, hearing how pole dancing has influenced people in their lives, everyone tends to get quite emotional, like, I know. Oh hey, you're, yes. great for the, you're great for the waterworks. <laughs> you're a classic cancer. Who
1: even lets me sit at the table to that. talk about my like any but of my feelings? I think I. Time. Oh Jesus Christ! I think I went on for over an hour, like fucking disgusting. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but it is. It's nice, I, right? Like, well, it's yeah. beautiful,
2: but I think because I see so much every day, I see so much trauma so much, like, death, so much of people losing things and people experiencing these horrible things in their lives, I can't get emotional over all of it because if I do, I would never yeah. be able to go to work. Like, I could not do it. And some days still get to me, like, I'll see something and it'll just it'll just tick me and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to cry. Um, yeah. But if I got upset about everything that I heard because I just – Working in ED, you realise just how bad the world can be and just how sad it is. Like, you know, you get those young mums who are going to die and you're just like, oh, my God, this is heartbreaking. But if I hear that, like, in other people, and like, if I don't know you, it's like I can't get emotional over you because then I would never be able to do my job. So I think... Well, that's so true. Yeah, so I think that that's kind of... It's like it's a good thing, but it's also a really bad thing. Like, it makes me feel really cold. It makes me feel really, like, Yeah, but I
1: guess, like you said yeah you can't I mean, and that's why like you know nurses, paramedics, like you know or firefight, lots of people in those type of fields like unfortunately, like you sort of have to switch that off because you have a job to mm. do like you are like, okay, well, you know you need to get this, I need to do this now, or you know, like to sort of help or whatever, mm. but it's I mean it definitely would be hard because I guess sometimes you feel like you are cold or that you switched off or it affects relationships, mm. but you know it's like your job like and like you said, you wouldn't be able to go to work like if you're you know fell at pieces constantly yeah. about every single little thing like you just wouldn't get anything yeah, done
2: I because yeah i've i've seen horrible things i've heard of horrible things i've you know been there for them and then so when i hear someone say oh this horrible thing happened to me and i'm like oh that really sucks it's just like, yeah, yeah exactly sorry right. was i supposed to cry i'm so sorry like, i feel really guilty <laughs> for not crying so at least i'll like work myself up into a panic attack that i'll start crying so it'll be fine Um, But yeah, like I just don't get super emotional, whereas like like in saying that though, um, it was my birthday recently and I was working and I had the shift from hell, it was a horrible, horrible shift, (laughs) and then I had flowers delivered to me at work from my parents back here, back in Canberra, Um, they sent flowers Mm -hmm. to my hospital and they were delivered to me while I was at work. And I didn't know who they came from. And I opened the card and it was from my parents and I just bawled. Oh. I'm standing there on the floor <laughs> and there's this doctor's trying to talk to me and my eyes are like filling up with tears and he's telling me these instructions. He's like, is that okay? I'm like, yep. In one ear out the other. Couldn't understand a word he said and I just walked off the floor and yeah. bawled. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so emotional right now. What's wrong with me? <laughs> I just could not deal. <laughs> it was just such an emotional day for me and for like, it was such a hectic day at work, and so sometimes the emotions still do get to me. But um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely changed me as who I am as a person. Um, I think one of the other lows is definitely the impact that shift work has on your life. Like, if I could do mm. ED nursing and not have to do shift work, oh my God, would that would that <laughs> just make my day? Like, I'd be so yeah. happy. Like, there's so many ways that shift work has damaged me. Like, physiologically long term, it's really associated mm. with higher um, rates of heart disease, cancer, stroke, um, diabetes, like just so many things that are going to, like, shorten yeah, well. my lifespan potentially. Um, and I'm like, great, that's that's awesome. Um <laughs> It's also been, it's a bit of a, uh, it's a bit of a social life killer. Um, mm. So like people organize things like, oh, we're going to go do this next weekend. And I'm like, well, I can't. I'm working. They're like, oh, can't you like just not work? And I'm like, no, Sick not really. Because I get all my penalties on weekends. So it's like, well, if I work a weekend, I get paid more. Call in sick. I don't get that. Um, and it's like, people are like, oh, well, when are you free? And I'm like, well, I need you to either tell me plan two months ahead or I can't be sure that I'm going to be there. Like, you have to give me two months notice if you want me to do something so I can put it in my calendar and <laughs> request it off. And people just don't understand mm. that. And I'm like, well, sorry. Like, yeah. it's how rostering works on a rotating roster. Um, it also, and this is something I've picked up over the last couple of years, um, night shift. Oh, my God, I hate night shift so much. Well. Oh, Like, you know, Macca's crew, right? Macca's night shift. Well, I was about to say, like,
1: obviously very, it's obviously very different, but, like, I remember overnights and I remember my first overnight and I cried like a baby because I was just like, this is the worst thing ever. And then
2: my mother made me go to the shop for her after my first ever night shift um, to pick up milk. We had milk, but it wasn't the right milk. So she made me go to the shop. I got ah. home and I screamed at her. I was like, don't you ever make me do that again. I was just so emotionally fried. It was ruined. Me. But,
1: <laughs> because you're up at like bloody
2: 1am or 2am like fucking doing whatever you have to do. Away, why is this happening to me? Yeah. But um, something that I really uh. noticed is like, I used to be on like, because you do hit like some lulls in the night where you've got nothing to do. You're like, okay, well, everyone's sorted. Everything slowed down a bit. We're just now waiting, like you're waiting for test results. You're waiting for scan results. So you do have a bit of free time sometimes. And I'd find like, I'd get on my phone and I'd start scrolling and I'd see the things that people have been doing all day. Cause obviously, you know, mm. it's nighttime, they slow down, but you can see back through the day of like, oh, people have been out swimming. People have been out doing this. They've been out doing this, There's all these fun things happening. You're like, you get mad. I get mad FOMO so bad, <laughs> yeah. so much sadness of like missing out on whatever it was that was going on. Like, was it a party that someone had? Was it like that they just went out for a, you know, a hike and I didn't get to go or I could have been doing that today. It was a beautiful day outside. Instead, I was asleep. Like those things really killed me or I find that I'm just more vulnerable at night, like emotionally. Um, Mm -hmm. Like when I, I find that all the time, but then when I'm on night shift and I'm scrolling through Instagram the stupid instagram alg- algorithm that's giving me all these things that i really don't want to see like all these you know fit people doing fit things or like these healthy meals or these like skinny people wearing great clothes and stuff and it just like would eat at me really badly and mm. it would be like this little tiny little like twist in the gut of like oh well you're just sleeping all day you're wasting your time you know you're not doing anything and like the logic would just disappear but i'd noticed that my <laughs> mental health would deteriorate because of social media while i particularly while i was on night shift because i felt like i was missing out i wasn't in a rhythm i felt emotionally fried and just everything was all wrong so i've had to start like hence the knitting i've had to start just yeah. like not doing social media, particularly on night shifts. So I take my knitting with me to work and I'll sit there and I'll knit. People are like, why are you knitting? And I'm like, because I can't be on my phone without having a, like a bloody crisis. It's like I'm going to have a complete and utter yeah. mental breakdown if I get on my phone too much at night. So I'm just going to sit here and knit yeah. so much better. <laughs> so yeah, it's like a bit of an emotional release there. But yeah, that's a, uh, those are probably some of the lows I think. Uh.
0: <laughs> all right um so to wrap up i guess um saying we asked pretty much everyone so far we've developed a nice little theme question <laughs> <laughs> um what advice would you give to your younger self or anyone who's thinking of um going into the same field as you
2: people always joke and say don't do it um but like <laughs> like i said at the start i think that if you want to be a nurse then there's a reason if you want to be, you know, if you want to do this job, then if you even think, like, yeah, I think I I want to do that, it's worth giving it a go. A lot of people feel like you can't, like, oh, my God, I don't want to just do, like, this all the time. And, you know, nursing is so much more than, like, wiping butts and, you know, all of that. Like, it's so much more than that. And, yeah, I think probably... Probably the advice I would give would be just to to be kinder to yourself. You know, like you you don't have mm. to be doing everything perfectly all the time. Sometimes, like we have this we have this joke, I guess, not a joke, but it's kind of just like a, this thing that we do all the time, where you know you can have such busy days, and you know, and as low, long as at the end of your shift everyone is breathing, it's a good day,
0: <laughs> like
2: and sometimes that doesn't that actually doesn't quite work because sometimes people aren't breathing (laughs) um but (laughs) on the the general on the general day on the every other day yes it just is if everyone's breathing at the end of your shift you've done a good job and i think that i would remind myself that like and if i could tell myself that when i'm younger be like you know what sometimes just doing just showing up and doing your best is is the best. Like, that's all anyone can ask of you. You don't have to be the best, but just doing your best and, like, giving it what you can is honestly, like, the best thing you could do. I think that, like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's probably the thing that I would like to remind myself of, even now, to be kinder to myself and just, just do my best. Well,
1: I guess that's, like, the perfect way to probably end it because, I mean... <laughs> That's all that we can do in life, is it? it's try our best, show up, and tomorrow is a new Absolutely. day, essentially. Um, but we want to thank you so much for obviously joining us um, this episode and, you know, giving us a bit of insight about your life, your career, um, and sort of, you know, what you do on to a day-to-day basis.
2: <laughs> um, and we hope that you enjoyed. Thank <laughs> yes. you. Thanks for having me, guys, and I hope that I uh, provided some – insight not just rambling
1: no it was all amazing <laughs> thank, you, thank you guys <laughs> all right well we'll see all of you guys uh in a fortnight's time for another new episode
0: thanks for tuning into this week's episode make sure you follow us at that being said podcast on instagram to keep up to date with all our episode releases and more see you, see you next, next week, week.